Hey there, Coach. Coach Will Love here. We have a great episode for you, but before we start, I wanted to let you know that the Idaho Basketball Coaching Podcast now has a newsletter. The newsletter has a bunch of great resources, including drills and concepts that I use with my program. It also includes write-ups to help you become a better coach. To subscribe to the newsletter, go to coachingidaho.substack.com. There, you'll also find an archive of past newsletters. Thanks for listening, and let's start talking some basketball. We are fortunate to have a great friend to the podcast on this episode. Alex Sarama is joining us for a Thanksgiving catch-up. Normally, this is where I would give you a brief bio on Alex, but today we will play Where in the World is Alex? Okay, so Alex, where in the world are you today? I'm in Portland, Oregon, getting ready for my first Thanksgiving in the U.S. ever. But um, yeah, so I'm in, in my new role um, here working with the Trailblazers and their G League team too. Um, and it's a really interesting year for me because I'm spending time between Portland and London. So working basically two roles. So obviously, you know, very different levels, very different contexts of basketball, but a really cool kind of growth opportunity for me to try and apply an ecological approach in two very different backgrounds. Yeah, uh, quite quite the challenge. Now, did you watch episodes of Portlandia to get prepared for your time in Portland? I, I did not. I okay. did not. Um, I'm, uh, you know, it's it's a shame, Will. I, I've so much of my time has literally just been here near the practice gym. I need to get out actually and see what Portland has to offer a little bit more. Yeah, well, I think uh, also once you, uh, you know, get a break and leave Portland and you go back to those episodes, some things will probably make some sense. Uh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, uh, we're going to go with kind of a non-linear approach here um, as uh, as a in this interview as a coach. I just put down some ideas and then we're just going to kind of spin off that if that's all right with you, Alex. Absolutely. All right. So here uh, I want to talk first about first of all about your um, your your role at the London lions, which is sounds like a really, really cool role, but it's kind of new uh, to basketball in a sense, not new to sports like soccer or football, but uh, new to uh, basketball. So your, your title is the director of methodology. And so what does that title mean? Great question. Will. so um, how it essentially worked is I, I've got a great relationship with the general manager lions, Vanya Cernivich. We used to work together for the NBA league office and Vanya really just very fortunate. We we kind of really see the game through the same perspective. And I think we just saw a huge opportunity to really transform basketball in the UK um, through the London Lions Academy. So it's brand new. It's in its first year. And essentially what happened was I've been really reading a lot of research over the last few years by a professor called Martin Rothwell. And Martin has written extensively about a position called the director of methodology. And it's only existed in the theory. No one really has actually practically done it. And what it is, is the idea is by having a director of methodology, you can really create a very unified approach. And the idea is that you, you, you're basically practically applying the theory, such as an ecological dynamics framework, it's, it's basically a position to ensure that the organization is practically applying these ideas into every relevant field. 
So for us in the academy right now, Will, it's it, we, we just have the professional coaches full-time. We don't yet have a physio, a strength coach, a nutritionist. But still, it's 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 the same concept because what, what we're doing is instead of working in silos, I'm creating this very unified approach, ensuring that all the coaches are implementing and understanding skill acquisition research, and then ensuring, too, that we're having the same principles of play, the same language in every age group. So it's really just, I, I think it's very exciting because we can see such a shared vision throughout the whole program. And then the idea is that once we add these extra uh, departments, I'll be integrating them into everything we're doing through the same ecological dynamics framework. And it's, I think it's really interesting. I think, Will, that this position is the future of basketball. And I think any professional team who's serious about wanting to gain a huge competitive advantage will have a director methodology. We're probably 10 or 15 years away from that. Um, just with, you know, skill acquisition and research needs to become more widespread. People and coaches need to understand the benefits of what this stuff is. And then I think we're seeing more of these positions popping up within the Barcelona world. And, right. and FC Barcelona, I should mention the soccer team, Will, they had one in, in football in 2015, so almost 10 years ago. Um, and obviously they, they were, they're well ahead of the curve. Yeah, and so I just wanted to get a sense of, and you talk about this on your latest podcast, and we'll talk about the transforming basketball here soon. But I, I, I wanted you to kind of talk us through the process that you might take working with a coach. And so here, let, let me give you a, a, a scenario. This happened in my practice yesterday. My varsity team was working against our lower teams, um, working on some full court pressure defense, obviously trying to turn the ball over and get some easy layups. We ended up missing about six to seven layups uh, in different types of contested situations in that 10 minute span, you know? And so as a coach, I was like, okay, here, I see something that we need to work with. How would you help me out as a coach in your role in that in a situation like that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first thing I'd say is the relationship piece. And this is what I've been really conscious of here. And luckily, especially with the, with the Rip City Remix team, got great colleagues here. And they're really naturally, genuinely just enjoyable to work with. But it's like having these conversations, I think you can't do that unless you have a relationship of trust, respect, and respect for each other. So I think a lot of people, especially people who don't, I'd say, know me, think that I'm very kind of high and mighty and condescending somewhat. And that's actually the complete opposite to how I go about coach development and coach education because, you know, in a, in a position like this, you you can simply never open other coaches up to these ideas and these conversations without that relationship piece. So that I actually started, the first part of this is all investing in the relationship. I don't actually, even in the London role, it's, it's so relationship focused at the beginning so that we can lay the groundwork to then implement these ideas. Because if you, if you do it in the other, in the reverse order, or you don't spend any time focused on that relational piece, I just, I don't think anything, any impact is going to be said. So anyway, let's imagine we've done all that. And obviously I could talk about that separately, like how I go about that. But then for me, it, it's, it's lots of small conversations supplemented by some more formal, but very interactive learning opportunities. So for instance, with, at Lions, we do two workshops a week. And even for a high school program, if, if you could just do 20 minutes every two weeks where you have your coaches together, I think that would be amazing. And you just start to talk about 
you know, shared principles throughout a whole program, skill acquisition ideas. And I think where it starts to me, Will, is I always start talking just about skill and what is skill. And that's really the first conversation I have with a lot of coaches. And I think that's why skill acquisition is misleading as a term, because it's it's not so much about acquiring something which is going to be internalized or something that a player is going to own, such as a technique, but it's really about skill adaptation. And I think that's a better way of putting it. And that's that's really what skill is. It's adaptive and it emerges based on, you know, how players are attempting to solve problems that are confounding them in every possession, every moment of the game. So, so skills are emergent. So if we know that skills are emergent and players are having to you know, find the, a, a functional fit between themselves and the environment. That's that skill for every situation. The question becomes, how can we practice in a way that accelerates this process? And I think what that leads to is then, you know, we, we understand the drills and the whole notion of just trying to ingrain something. It's really just counterproductive with what skill is. And I think a lot of people find that very difficult to comprehend because we've always had this idea that the role of the coach has to be the one to show the technique, show precisely how something must be done. But really, that's just a loggerheads with what we now know in the research world, what we know skillful performance in sports kind of entails. So I know that's quite a long answer, but I think it's really, for me, it's just lots of discussions about skill and reframing skill and performance in basketball. And that's obviously where I think the constraint set approach is such a compelling framework because it gives us a really clear way that we can understand how players are actually doing things, doing the things they're doing within the game and the science behind that. So I want to hit on a point that you made right there. And we talked about this in a coach's uh, chat group that you helped form. Um, and so we were talking about this this weekend about how we are allowing our uh, coaches or assistant coaches to take on bigger roles and just how that kind of, kind of works. And so, you know, I think here, you know, one of the things that you identify in your latest podcast for transforming basketball is that it's okay if you don't know everything. All right. And so can you talk about kind of that release and just allowing coach, like the head coach to kind of defer at times and why that's okay? Yes, absolutely. So for me, this came from um, a friend of mine, Craig Morris, and he's uh, the GB um, water slalom head coach. And he's done some really, uh, really cool research papers with Carl Woods, who, again, is a he's a researcher in Australia. I, I've learned a lot from. And and what they what they both speak about is this idea of of not knowing and being okay with uncertainty and not always, you know, being not always needing a, a great answer. You know, the best, probably the best case, the best where the kind of basketball example of, I see this is something like a zone offense where, you know, as coaches, we always want to have the exact answer and, you know, say, this is how we must do it when we see a zone. But for me, like my approach is really just some principles of play set up a an activity with constraints and really see what happens. And we're kind of figure out that process together with the players and myself as the coach. And kind of, it's this process of wayfinding. We'll see what happens along this journey. Then I'll manipulate constraints accordingly. So 
I think a lot of the time in the basketball world, there's this idea that we have to know everything as coaches and we have to know what's going to happen, the next offensive possession. We've got to know the techniques for everything. And really, I think it's not about that. And I, I think that's, I'm, and I'm not saying that knowledge about the game is not important because I, I think you need a very, to actually do this stuff well, you actually need um, need to have knowledge, but it's a very different type of knowledge. It's it's more of a knowledge, which I believe is focused on interactions and and how the players are interacting with each other in different parts of the game. And then with that knowledge, that might allow you to design really, really rich practice environments based on you know constraints that approach. And I think for coach, I think coaches, it's harder to use the CLA well if you don't have that knowledge because you don't really have a lens. You don't really know what you're looking at. You don't know why you're creating activity in a certain way. So, I, I, and I think ultimately, it's what I'm trying to get at here is is basketball is it's not necessarily just about knowing but it's about doing and, and this is what i see a lot with players and coaches these days is co like a lot of practices are really like coaching clinics and things like a shell drill and and that is just a knowledge drill but that doesn't mean that players can actually do it within the game so that's where we've got to have this uncertainty a little bit and be okay with seeing what happens and not always knowing what's going to occur because then, you know, if you're attuned as a coach to what's going on, we can fix that on the fly and just be willing to let stuff happen. And even the bad solutions, Will, that we see emerge in a practice, that's great because players are learning what's functional, what isn't functional. Um, so that's, that's a, a long-winded answer to that question. Alex, I wanted to ask you because I saw this in um newsletter recently about the idea of adaptability and why that's important for a coach. But we sometimes um misconstrue the difference between being adaptable and adaptability. Can you kind of explain what that might mean? Yeah, absolutely. I I actually think for me, you know, I'd build on that. And I'd say the biggest difference I see is between coaches who are adaptive and adaptive. And I'll explain what I mean. So uh, what we see a lot is coaches who are very used to one way of doing something. And that's what I mean by adapted. They've become adapted to certain forms of life within basketball. So for instance, particular drills. So especially like in an NBA setting, it's really like the same drills which are recycled very, very commonly um, then you've got even things like similar, and this is universal, similar offensive schemes, copy paste. Um, and then coaches, they don't, they don't just become adapted to practice styles, but also the lens through which they view the game, the way that they coach in the game. So it's, it's really just coaches becoming very comfortable and almost dependent on one model. And then that whole kind of system is, self-perpetuating because other coaches grow up they see the same things etc then we've got the other side of the coin which is being adaptive and this for me is where i'm trying to constantly live in where i'm always asking the question does this make sense so i don't ever want to fall into the cycle of just doing something because it's the way i've always done it so what i'm always doing will is I'm never, I'm always trying to come up with new activities, even activities that I've used for a number of years now within the CLA. I'm always trying to think, is there a way I could actually do this better? Could I, could I explain this better? Could I 
could we run this with better constraints? And and I'm always just trying to reflect on, on what I'm doing. Like even my offense, it's changing every month as I'm learning new things, the way the way I view defense. So it's it's all these things I'm trying to constantly be an adaptive coach based on the things I'm learning, the things I'm researching, um, what I'm seeing within my players, being responsible to how the players are different. Because I think that's another problem when you're adapted to one way of working and you have different, your coaching may be in a different country or in a, with a different team and, and the social cultural context is different. You have different players. I think it's a recipe for disaster if it's just copy paste or, you know, Maybe that's too strong saying it's a recipe for disaster, but it's, I think you're just going to get the same old results and you're not, you know, any extraordinary performance. I don't think it's going to be a result of a very intentional method. And and that's really what I think all this stuff is getting at. And, and the skill acquisition research, I just think you're being really intentional as a coach and trying to create a huge competitive advantage for your team. So you recently had a podcast with it's Linus. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Linus Hol- Holmstrom. And it was really, really great to hear his perspective uh, as a player working in, in this system. And so, you know, you also included some video clips of him working with players and kind of designing stuff. And la- last week in practice, we did the same thing. I just took uh, 10 minutes and I said, okay, you guys have to come up with your own, shooting drill you got to use our concepts you got to use two basketballs and there's got to be some type of defense involved and so you know you could see him kind of wobbling and i i put together a video of kind of the process that you could see the kids going through and then they came up with a pretty complex idea and each group came up with their own ideas and so you know kind of a roundabout way of saying you know we can learn a lot from the individual players and then also putting our kids in situations like this to see what they know so much will and that's that's what's sad to me because uh, and i i'm uh, what i'm gonna say i, I want to make this what i'm about to say i don't want to be rude or condescending and I, I i'm i don't mean it at that i'm just being honest but i can say this some of the activities that my players created at college prep were better than a lot of very high level coaches and it's you know very very high level coach and i'm and i'm not this I'm not trying to disrespect high-level coaches. We can learn a lot from them. But it's just, it's so amazing when you see, like, just like you said with your players, when you just give the players a chance and when they grow up within the CLA environment. Like, I had Linus for two and a bit years, and it was just incredible seeing, like, the way he explained, I watched that video just randomly before his podcast, before I jumped on with you, and the way he was talking about the exit screen and and what how he described it to his teammate i think was better than a lot of coaches like i said and then but not that not just that but then the activities he could design and the constraints it's incredible and it's just for me well it's actually quite sad because i just think about all the potential that could have been over time within the basketball world that we've never realized and we've never seen what players could have been because they've never had the chance and i think that's why I'm so passionate now and I'm really emboldened in in really trying to share this approach because I've seen what it's done. I've lived this approach in my life and in my coaching for four years now. And I, you know, I know what it can do and I just want other coaches to see that. And that's why I, I love doing things like this and like talking with you because I know, you know, you see it from the exact same lens and it's just, we need more 
coaches doing this throughout the world. And I, I think it's going to move that way over time. Well, it's kind of interesting too, because we've had our uh, junior high coach come and watch some of our practices because he wants to incorporate and have that uh, bridge between the junior high program and the high school program. But it, he's a PE teacher uh, with elementary students. And so, you know, he came into our first practice and he's been to two of them. And, you know, his biggest takeaway is like, well, I do this model with my elementary students. I don't know why I never thought to do it with my basketball players. And so I just thought it was kind of interesting that he, you know, he does this on a regular basis. And then as soon as he gets into the gym, it's like, no, this is how you coach. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it. And I think it's, at the end of the day, players will level. I'm even seeing it here with the NBA and the G League guys. They love it. And it's, it's again, I can't just, you know, I can't go into specifics just because of the, of, you know, the legal technicalities and all that. But it's like, what I can say is the players of all ages, and especially Paris last year, they love this approach because it's playing and they get to play basketball. And then very quickly, they, they see how different it is and how much more they improve. And they never want to go back. And it's, you know, what's funny, Will? I sort of, I, I got twelve players in the U.S. from college prep now, and and I can say virtually every one of them, maybe ten out of the twelve, have texted me saying they can't believe what practices are like. And it's they find it really difficult doing all these perfection drills and all this. And it's just, it's crazy to me that we're still where we are in the Barcelona world. And that I I I, I find it. I understand why we're here, but it's like the research now, all this information, it's out there. Look at like yourself. You've spent your you're a high school coach. You're you're not coaching professionally well. You got a, a job, but you've spent so much time understanding the literature and applying it. Right. And you know, your the state championship you won last year. I don't want to say it's because of that, it's because of many things that you do as a coach, but the proof is out there in the pudding. So for me, I just don't understand why. You know, all the full-time coaches we see throughout the world, like full-time prep, full-time college, full-time MBA coaches, if if everyone could just spend 20 minutes a week dedicating time towards learning about some of these ideas, the Barcelona world would change for the better. Yeah, definitely. So I want to go back to kind of your time at college prep. You've had uh, obviously some time to kind of reflect back on that. So, I mean, what are two or three of the bigger learning outcomes that you had from your experience there? Okay, great, great question. So firstly, to to reap the benefits of an ecological approach, you have to go all in in every area. So what I mean by that is, I think what we're seeing a lot of now is these silos where maybe there's one coach who is like really like, I don't know, following all the stuff I'm sharing through Transforming Basketball, like reading Rob Gray's stuff, like, you know, listening to whatever they can and they're applying it. But then the problem is they're often the only person in their program doing it. So what you get is you get that coach working in a silo and it's not their fault, but it's they're doing their stuff, but then everyone else around them isn't. And it's then it's very difficult because that, you know, manifests in different things at different age groups throughout a program. Or even if it's just as simple as a coach doing it on the court, but then you're not doing it for warm-ups, you're not doing it for video, athletic performance. I think you have to go all in on this. And this is especially like, as, as this approach will become more popular over the next 10 years, it, it, it just will. That's the reality of it. You can't just do it in a haphazard manner. I think you really have to ensure an organization understands 
what this requires to do it. And they actually really understand the practical application because I think a lot don't. And then you got to do it in every field. And, and to do that, Will, I think you have to have an expert who can coordinate that, AKA a director methodology, right? It links into your first question. So I think that that would be the first one. Second one would be um, the relational transformational side of things is the most kind of preeminent factor. And I've, all, I've always felt that, but I think if you can combine the transformational approach with these ideas, you're really hitting the jackpot. And I think that's what I really miss Italy just because of all the relationships we had uh, and it was just such an enjoyable environment um, in terms of just being able to complete every day. I'd read something, read a research paper in the morning, afternoon, I'd be on court with the guys and I'd be leading stuff like 12 hours a week minimum. Sometimes it was more. So for my coaching world, having like that amount of practice time over years, that's allowed me to do the stuff I'm doing now. I think, what I'm seeing a lot is a lot of coaches, especially professionally at the college level, they actually don't coach much. So it's maybe they're, coach, they're leading stuff, maybe for a maximum of one or two hours a week. So it's, they, you know, we've really got to find ways to get more head coaching opportunities and to lead stuff to actually get familiar with this. And I'd say the last one is really just probably principles of play related. I think all the kind of stuff we came up with, with conceptual offense and defense was so fun. Um, and really, well, I'd say everything we did there that led to transforming basketball because all the all the ideas, all the people who came to work alongside me, that's really now morphed into transforming basketball. I'd say, and it it was great because it was really organic. It it we never did that intentionally, and I I think that's the best thing about this. Like I started transforming in August, and it's we never thought, all right, let's let's really just package everything doing prep. It's always been about the idea and it's never been about me and it's it's always been i don't i'm not interested in self-emotion i really don't give two tosses about that it's what i'm interested in is, is the idea and i, I want to see more coaches improve their coaching get more satisfaction out of coaching i want to see players improve and and just love everything that the sport has to offer and i think that's what prep was such a good vehicle for because we connected with literally hundreds and hundreds of coaches all over the world who were watching what we were doing, sending me messages. And that to me was just a really fulfilling environment. Now I, I want to go back to your first point uh, in this answer, Alex. And I just like here, if I'm a coach that is like kind of thinking about this and you say, I have to go all in, that might be sure. a stopping point. So, I mean, what would you yeah. say there would be appropriate for okay. a coach that is like Great question? Yeah, great question. So firstly, I think how I I use my own kind of journey to to explain. I started as a games approach coach. So what I mean is just using small sided games. I did some drills too, but mostly small sided games. And I'd say what you have to do is is just start coaching with small sided games instead of drills. That's going to be your start point. Get familiar with the small sided games, how you can explain it, how you can coach it. Then very quickly you want to move towards a constraint that approach because a games approach is actually different from a constraint set approach. And that's that's another reason. I uh, That was one of the main reasons I started transforming. A lot of people think that both approaches are the same. They're actually very different. Um, and what I mean is we can't just play the same small-sided games over and over because the players are going to improve. So it's the magic is in the constraints you use and how you're choosing constraints based on how the players are adapting and responding. So I'll give you a great example. Well, if you just play... A two-on-two -two pick and roll 
then and you just play that same small sided game and you don't really have very intentional constraints. Is it better than doing two on zero? Yes. Is it that much better? No. So then it's like, how can we add constraints to really change this? So that would be things like change the space, change the shot clock. Uh, maybe they have one opportunity to create an advantage. We're changing the coverage. We're changing spacing. So that's that's exactly it. And we're doing that in response to what we're seeing the players doing and how they're responding to, to these problems, what they're doing in the games. So for me, that would be the, the biggest advice. Start with a games approach. Move towards a constraint set approach. For instance, you know, listen to your podcast, listen to the transforming podcast, see what we have on our website, which is coming out soon. Then once you're comfortable with a constraint set approach, I think that has to come too. I think you have to have conceptual offense and defensive principles because I just don't think you can do this if you have a system-based offense with a heavy, like rigid motion pattern. I just I think it's incompatible. Right. So you you gotta have some principles of play in there. Once you're set on the basketball, and this might take two years, Will, and that's fine. It's a journey, right? Once you've spent some time really understanding what the CL is and you actually know what it is and you're doing it, then you've got to branch out and do it in warm-ups. So instead of doing like dynamic stretches, explore different ways you could run tag games and other things in the warm-up in the weight room, how you could, you know, create tasks in the weight room, video analysis. So it's, and that's a really deep question. And and Will, I, I can really say this, there's hardly anyone really in the world like doing this. Like we at college, we were the first program, basketball program in the world to go all in in the ecological approach doing this CLA and everything. And I, I think, so it's very new, but I think for coaches to start doing what you can control and then gradually, the more you become interested in this, the more you know, the, the easier it becomes to branch out and apply it in the other fields. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me this year, one of my focuses is the idea of movement and cool. just uh, so, you know, we've been using a lot of different like tag games as warm ups and stuff like that. So the kids get familiar with just the movements, especially the side to side stuff, because this summer I could see that was something that was kind of a weakness for us. And so rather yep. than getting the kids out and just doing shuffles for 20 minutes, you know, it was like, okay, what kind of game scenario can we put these kids in? Exactly. Um, and it, and you know, it's been unbelievable because anytime we start practice with one of these little games, it just gets the kids excited, they're going, and then it carries over into the rest of the practice. Whereas, you know, traditionally we would just kind of have some type of basic warm up. It might be shuffle drill or something like that. And, and then the kids are kind of going through the motions. That's it. Yeah. That's a great example right there. Really good example. Yeah. yeah. And I'd also say too, um, this does take time. And so you, you just got to, yeah, you yeah. do have to be patient with it. So and, uh, and that's a hard thing. Will. just sorry to cut you off, but it's no. like, that's the hard thing because how much easier is it to take a set play instantly put it in and, and kind of receive that feeling of instant gratification. And I think that's why that's why we're in the position we're in right now with so few coaches understanding this stuff because everyone's kind of viewing the game through this alternative lens. And it's, but instead I think like anything in life, it doesn't come instant and it doesn't come easy. And I think if you're willing to invest time and years of your life learning about this, it changes everything. Yeah. And then one final thing, and then we'll get to another subject, but um, I think too, you got to be open that you're going through this, this process and using this because I've been very open with uh, like my athletic director 
uh, with parents and saying, we do things a little bit differently. Uh, here are the reasons why. And so now actually when my athletic director comes in and other people come in, they can see that it's not a mess. It's not chaos. Exactly. It's actually like there's a, there's a methodology behind it. Exactly. 100%. So, all right. Um, so I got uh, another question as far as college prep. So what was something that you thought going in that kind of just totally changed your outlook? Oh, great coaching? question. Like, honestly, well, when I started, I was, I knew I, I wanted to go on CLA, but my knowledge of the theory was nothing like where it was when I ended the program. That's, I was a completely different coach, Will, almost a, a different individual, like, I didn't know I've always had values and stuff, but it's like just my perspective on things changed even more in a positive way going through that program. So I was very much, I really entered college without huge expectations. I knew I wanted to, I knew I wanted to change the Basel world by doing that and have kind of far reaching implications for further than just what we were doing for the players in Italy. Like for me, it was very important that the players loved it and that they benefited from it and that they felt like they got the most from it because obviously we're serving the players first and foremost but then also i wanted it to be a vehicle for change within the global basketball community and i i do think we accomplished that um especially with with quite challenging circumstances locally just in terms of the organizational like constraints we had etc but um i think i was really just I was so responsible throughout that whole kind of three-year program. Like I was every week I was learning something new and that was the wonder of it. Like I didn't have like a season plan. I didn't have very fixed ideas as what I'd be doing. It was really just so enjoyable because I'd be researching, finding something new and boom, that was it. Like I remember like in the first year, I, I spent the whole Christmas diving into shooting. I did a whole look at shooting. And that was when I came up with all the differential learning stuff after that. And that was just, yeah, it was so, in, so fun just having that, that feeling to experiment the whole time. Great. And now I want to talk a little bit about what you're doing now currently in Portland. And so can you just kind of talk about what your position is at the, uh, with uh, the Portland Trailblazers? Absolutely. So my official title is Director of Player Development with the Rip City Remix. So I'm here for three and a half months in season, um, different times, and obviously be split in London the rest of the time. And really, I, I got to thank the uh, the front office of the Trailblazers for the opportunity. They, you know, they've they've really been interested in in these ideas. Um, and just yeah, it was, it's a great opportunity to see you know what this looks like at the NBA level. And I, I think it's it's uh, it, it's for me just the learning of opportunity to take the things I did at prep and then basically figure out what works and what doesn't work working with these players. That's obviously a really cool learning experience for me. So um, that that's that's my role here and and then I'm combining that with the Lions and transforming basketball so it's a lot on there's obviously a lot like with transforming we've got so many consulting projects right now we've got like a bunch of federations who are like interested and so i'm just really excited at where everything's going and then the last thing is the book and obviously you've got a little contribution in that yeah, which is yeah. awesome talking about everything you've done at sandpoint and the the planned release of the book is january so I really think that the book is I'm hoping that's going to have a huge kind of effect on the Barcelona world just because 
it's kind of the go-to resource for everything. Like if you really wanted to learn these ideas from scratch, where would you start? It's not easy. It's a very daunting task. Um, really, I wrote the book with pure intentions to try and solve that problem for coaches and really just help them out. Uh, and then uh, one final question for you. And, you know, here, I just want to know, like, it, it, we've got a great friendship. And so I know that here, you know, you are earnest and like, and you've kind of talked about this, but I mean, how are, how are people taking you in these different, different areas where it's kind of been ingrained that this is how we do this? I, th I think it's all relationship. Well, I think I'm so conscious of that. Like, London Lions, I can say like, we're all in on this. Like we're doing it, we're living it. And I think, you know, it's, that's what it all comes down to. And I think if you can explain these ideas in a nice way, there's no reason why people don't want to listen. All right. You well, know? yeah, I really, really appreciate your time. I just want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving, a first one. Don't eat too much uh, on uh, on Thursday. Turkey, stuff to <laughs> stuffing in Turkey. I know. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And uh, so anyway, thanks for coming on. And um, can you just tell us when you think some things uh, like website and stuff like that for transforming yeah, basketball? Absolutely. Well, so the goal of the website is, I'd say early mid December. Um, and the reason it's taking so long is because it's just there's so much on there. Um, then we'll have some courses and things like that, too. And then the book will follow up with that in, in January. All right. Great. Well, I just want to wish you luck and thank you so much for helping us out here in Sandpoint. Well, it's my pleasure. And, you know, I, I just love seeing everything you're all doing. And it's just, it gives me so much satisfaction just seeing and listening to you. And, and it's like, I can sincerely say this is one of my favorite podcasts cause, to come on to because you ask such good questions. And I think it's just, I'm grateful for all the work you're doing, spreading these ideas. Um, and yeah, man, just looking forward to more future conversations. Definitely. Definitely. Thanks, Alex. Pleasure.